You're listening to the Saturday Morning RPG Show with Jordan, the PH is silent, and Sir Lucian. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. A good morning to you and welcome to this episode of the Saturday Morning RPG Show. My name is Jordan with a silent PH in the middle, and I'm joined by myself as this is a solo Jordan show. But we've got lots of cool stuff to talk about, and uh, maybe I can answer some questions in chat and, and all that other cool stuff. So, uh, Grinar, Moa Peach, Anna, welcome and good morning. Um, we have some stuff to talk about, uh, and then I don't know how long it'll be. Kind of shooting from the hip here, but <clears throat> but I'm very curious about uh, this new... Final Fantasy fourteen online the tabletop role playing game. Um so Final Fantasy's huge. <laughs> like it's obviously very, very big. <clears throat> and I've got coughs. So I am a big Final Fantasy fan. I think that's actually what got me into the maybe the fantasy genre was uh Final Fantasy four and six on the super nintendo um and the the world and the idea of those games was so unique to me where you had uh it's probably not that unique now but back in the jordan times uh a wee jordan of of you know elementary age those games were had a had a, a underlying mechanic such as here's a fire spell or classes like you're gonna have like a thief type character you're gonna have a fighter type character and then you would play the new game and they would spin it here and there but like overall there were these these created final fantasy tropes that were part of every game like there's always a guy named sid and there's chocobos and there's this um so there was always that familiarity with it even though it was a brand new game which i, I think helps that franchise succeed and stand alone from other projects like you know a final fantasy game kind of when you see one uh very exciting so i was interested uh because i think many many years of my life was dedicated to final fantasy 11 online i think we all had those days of losing ourselves in uh mmos whether it was star wars or World of Warcraft or Guild Wars. And for me, it was Final Fantasy XI. Um, when Final Fantasy XIV came out, I tried it. I actually got to, the, I, I, my favorite class was Summoner. I got to max level uh, within a month, which blew me away because I think it took me a year or more in uh, Final Fantasy XI. But fourteen uh, was fun, but I, I also wonder if I just grew out of MMOs like a lot of people have. Um, I enjoyed Final Fantasy fourteen. I feel like it captured Final Fantasy really well and a lot of the mechanics. Um, but, like, again, uh, the world is really cool, and I, I, I'm excited for this. What I think, what is odd about this, what is odd about this to me is that Final Fantasy the RPG here is actually Final Fantasy XIV Online, the tabletop RPG. So it's not only it's it's really brand specific. And I don't know if uh, I mean why not just make it Final Fantasy the RPG and then allow us to 
to play any of the Final Fantasy things we want. Because, like I said earlier, a lot of those games have the, the same structure as in Magic and things like that. Uh, yeah, hoping they add Blitzball. That'll be... That'll be a fun mini game. Uh, <laughs> although legit, my friend, when when Ten came out, he played uh, more Blitzball than the actual game. I think I had finished Final Fantasy Ten, and he was still just playing Blitzball because he liked it so much. But he got that. Uh, uh, the only way to get Waka's Waka is that his name? His uh, ultimate weapon was to like be a champion in Blitzball. So, um, this. I don't know. This feels cool. And I think a lot of people are going to want to have the, uh, there, there is that like, Hey, I'm familiar with this. Allow now that I'm familiar with how final fantasy works, this could be a good lead into the tabletop RPG experience. Much like, uh, I believe the, um, D&D games, uh, video games do. So, like, I'll play Neverwinter Nights or I'll play Baldur's Gate, hey, Baldur's Gate 3. And then, oh, I really like that. Hey, we can actually play this at the table and it can be kind of a people bringing you in there. So, I have my... There we go. I got my desktop over here so you guys can see stuff. Um, my little head in the corner. So, I I just went to their website. Um, Final Fantasy 14 online tabletop RPG. Um, and yeah, step into the shoes of a heroic adventurer or assume the game master's mantle. I like that. They should really call the game master's judges, not from, from Final Fantasy Tactics. Uh, also, we'll just, I mean, not a DCC call out or anything, but it is. <laughs> so it's a starter set specifically. Comes with everything you need. To dive in. So, uh, recommended for five players, playtime about two hours, 14 plus. You get a player book, a game master book, um, four character sheets, which is warrior, white mage, dragoon, and black mage. I don't know why we aren't warrior, white mage, black mage, and what would be, I guess, thief. Thief would be the good one to have, or like the standard adventuring party you had in uh, Final Fantasy 1. Um, we don't know the rule system, though, but it says it comes with 6d20 and 10d6. I'm wondering if it's a um, roll this many d20s to see if you can not hit, but like, I don't know. Actually, I shouldn't even guess. I have no idea what what it would do, but... Um, obviously not a traditional, uh, dice system in the sense of a, uh, D and D OSR kind of system. So I don't know. We'll have to know, but, uh, I mean, gosh, that art looks really cool. And then they said they're going to follow it up with, um, a, a standard rule book and a game master guide. So yeah, but this is all, um, it's less than a year away. It says May, 2024, We'll we'll just have to wait and see. I don't know. This is weird because it's like not being kickstarted, I don't think. It's just a product that you'll buy. But wasn't uh I mean there were other products like this. Wasn't the uh not Elden Ring, Dark Souls. Wasn't the Dark Souls RPG like made by the Dark Souls people and it was not very good and it had a lot of like five E references. This feels like it's gonna try and be its own thing. So we'll see. 
stats. Um, here was a, uh, this is a Polygon article that had more, not more information, but it just had a big picture of it. So, but it looks like, yeah, you get some hex, some maps and stuff. And then these character sheets look kind of cool. Maybe I'll try to like zoom in and enhance and see if I can come up with information for you, but we'll probably just have to wait. Uh, but yeah, it, I mean, it could be really cool. We'll have to wait and see. Um, $60 for the starter set. And they look, oh, we got, we got something on the 20 or the one. I'm going to assume that's the 20. And then we have, I wonder, it's probably going to be like the different colors also mean something. Um, yeah, I don't know. Gosh, I love new mechanics. But this got me thinking. Yeah, Final Fantasy XII does take his same place as in Final Fantasy Tactics Advanced, not Final Fantasy Tactics for the PlayStation or the PSP, I think. Because um, Tactic Tactics Advanced had the bunny people. Um, still a really good game. Uh, tactically, it was fun. I love blue magic. I've always wanted there to be a blue magic type class in um, D&D. I don't think it ever really worked how I wanted it to. And then I also really wanted there to be a mimic class because I love I love that in Final Fantasy Tactics and uh, Five and like uh, what is it Go Go in Final Fantasy Six. Um, really cool idea as like an end game thing. And I I made a mimic class. I should find that and revise it. I never actually played it, but I had a couple people. I gave it away for free, and I had a couple people come up and say that they tried it. Um, and obviously you just need to like play test it some more, but now that 5e is so open, uh, because of the, the OGL and creative commons, I could really look at that again. Be a lot of fun. Puppet master. Oh man, man. When, uh, I love pet classes. So in final fantasy 11, I played a summoner and it was the coolest. And then I played a Beastmaster for a little bit cause they also have pets then uh they released puppet master and i was like this is the coolest class for me ever i love it so much and it turned out to be the worst class in final fantasy 11. did i play it all the way to level 75 yes and it was the worst uh it i i, I have a lot of love in my heart for the aesthetic of it and i could solo quite a bit of things um and if you haven't played final fantasy 11 it's a very unforgiving game especially in early patches uh now it's it's a lot easier but like there were uh there i'm always reminded of a penny arcade comic where this is where jim dark magic came from because he created a character in final fantasy 11 called jim and it's like oh you're a black mage named jim oh great and then they like go to fight a bunny and the bunny destroys all of them and that's that's what final fantasy 11 was like but there was something epic about it. It was just so difficult and fun. Um, a lot of tabletop RPGs in Japan are built on the D6 system. I'll have to do that. Um, oh, and yeah, Sword World. I remember that for, thank you, Shozama. So yeah, doesn't need a Kickstarter. Yeah, they don't need to do a Kickstarter. Not saying that they will. It just feels uh, so many tabletop RPGs are Kickstarted. <laughs> so but yeah, so that got me thinking about this little gem. Do you guys remember this? I still don't know how they're able to do this. Um, this is free, 
So maybe that's why. But Final Fantasy D6 was uh, a fan-made D6 system that I became aware of because uh, my obsession with D6 systems when I was trying to write uh, modular D6 and I was kind of enjoying this. So this is pretty heavily play tested and oh my gosh, Blitzball is in here. <laughs> uh, the world continued. That's funny. So you guys, this is completely free. Just Google Final Fantasy D6 uh, and like, let me know what you think. I might take another look at this with the, uh, the idea that Final Fantasy was uh, or the Final Fantasy Tabletop RPG is back in the news. This could be something of interest to take a look at again. Um, but I like, I like, this is all, you know, like fan art stuff. It was totally just people who really loved Final Fantasy and wanted a game like this created this. And so um, I'm remembering, oh yeah, attribute points. And yeah, this is a little different. So that got me thinking of, uh, oh, and the crystals. Yeah, pretty cool. Paladin, Ranger, Dragoon, Blue Mage, Dark Knight, Engineer, Geomancer, Ninja, Time Mage. We should all play Final Fantasy D6. This also got me thinking about, are there other tabletop RPGs or other video games? We know lots of tabletop RPGs have become video games, but are there video games that have become tabletop RPGs. And the biggest one I could think, I mean, Pokemon has some fan-made stuff, but nothing official as far as I, I know. And the biggest one I could think of was World of Warcraft. So I went looking and they did create Warcraft, the role-playing game in 2003. And then 2005, it was uh, the second edition created World of Warcraft, the RPG. Uh, this was for... Uh, the D20 system using the open game last license. And apparently it's awful because uh, I, I haven't played a lot of World of Warcraft, but the magic system is Vancian, so it doesn't fit with World of Warcraft as the reviews I was seeing. And then a couple of other things here where they're like, it doesn't, it doesn't, it works like Dungeons and Dragons. It doesn't work like, uh, doesn't work like uh, World of Warcraft, you know? Um, oh yeah, EverQuest, they made, they trans, trans put EverQuest into, um, a D20 system as well, 3.5, so that makes sense. So, I bet it was an easy kind of, like, it feels kind of like Dark Souls into 5e, where it's like, eh, yeah, let's try it, and it's like, well, it really just kind of plays like 5e, I don't know, so... We'll see. I thought that was interesting, though, that this isn't the first time, but I, I have a feeling that they'll do it um, more correct, <laughs> we'll see if that's even possible. Um, oh, Diablo did get translated into a D20 system. That must have been just a big uh, popular franchise with Blizzard Entertainment, and they were like, uh, yeah, go ahead and try it. So, Because um, I, remember, I remember those those loot tables for Diablo D20. So, um, not that I want to spend a ton of time on D&D Beyond, but they had some news. First of all, I wasn't, I was coming here to cover the maps that they came out with, but then they have these faction recruitment posters that I thought was really cool. So, I was looking at these. Um, we have downloadable handout recruitment posters for the various factions in Sigil. So, these are, are probably going to play somewhat of a prominent role. So these, yeah, uh, gives you the, the Factal, the Headquarters, the Aligned Plane, 
members are called the disillusioned worshipers, skeptics. Um, yeah, so kind of cool. And we have a new, um, yeah, you can see my mouse, a new little symbol up here for each one of them. Not new, but yeah. So the factions will play something. The Bleak Cabal, pretty, pretty, I, I like stuff like this. I think this is really, really fun. Um, it's a cool way to, uh, it's a simple way to make the world feel a little more fleshed out. And I like that about it. Um, oh, they made a Dragon Age RPG. Well, there you go. Tabletop RPG. Fraternity of Order. Um, some of my favorite are the... Oh, I don't think they were called the Heralds of Dust in the original. Maybe they are. I like the, I like the Heralds of Dust. I like the Harmonium... And I think it was the Faded or the Bleak Cabal. But so th anyway, the 12, 12 factions of Sigil. If you know the history of Sigil, there were like, oh, there were a lot of factions. And then the Lady of Pain said, no, I'm done with this. And she like cut it down to 12 for some reason. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think three. No, that's nine. So yeah, 12 for some reason. She cut it down. And... Now there are only 12, uh, but this actually comes with some information on how do you create your own faction for Sigil? And I'm all about like, make the make the setting your own. You know, I 100% do that. But I was like, I thought that was kind of the point is that you couldn't have any more factions. Um, but yeah, the original uh, Planescape second edition has all these fun rules for factions and you can like level up in being part of the faction and gain special abilities as you get to a certain um, factional order. So they're, they're digging, I don't want to say they're digging deep, but like to, to present stuff like this means they're kind of going uh, headfirst into it. So they're, they're supporting it. So, and when factions fall apart, might be might be uh behoove me to go through and add some of these posters to my um factions thumbnail of my d20 or my d20 my faction video for youtube so but 12 factual faction recruitment posters um we also have uh what to know before you visit sigil the city at the center of the multiverse um this was just a little like uh, article quickly about like what is the Outlands and what is Sigil and stuff but I thought some of the artwork was worth looking at and some interesting things and so the different wards we're going to have it feels they're very much making the same game um, This it's the same setting but this there was something in one of the video interviews that I saw that Wizards of the Coast was talking about how Sigil is the city on the inside ring of, uh, so the ring around the spire at the center of the Outlands, Sigil is on the inside. And they talked about it as a, as a Taurus. And a Taurus is a completely closed loop. This would be like a halo ring because they keep talking about how like the sun shines down on the center and the ring and and it's it's drawn like this too, where it's not an enclosed torus, it's a it's a ring. And so I, I was like, are you guys confused or did the artist get confused or 
what? Because they're basically telling us two different things in the interviews. And I was like, I don't, those words, I don't think they mean what you think they mean. Um, I'm curious with some of this artwork and stuff, if it actually will be a enclosed Taurus or if it's open like this. So, cause yeah, they were like, no, a Taurus, a donut shape, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Do you think this was made with AI? I don't know. I don't, I wouldn't think so, but who knows? Uh, maybe augmented with it. And then uh, this was another thing, portals everywhere. And it's like, yeah, you can't find portals using detect magic. But if you roll up a Horizon Walker Ranger, ooh, that could be good for you. And I was like, okay, just tell us how it works. And then how some of the magic and stuff works. And then don't look at the Lady of Pain. Um, I don't think they'll put stats on her in this edition. Uh and I pray that they don't, because there's some things that should just be a mystery. D&D Beyond started with their maps. So they have their uh, toe into the world of the VTT. Um, I shouldn't say into the world, because they already have, like, the dice rolling and the maps and things like that. So, yeah, Grenar, if you look up from the... From where you're standing on... In Sigil, if you look up, you just see more city. But some of that artwork doesn't reflect how they how they did that. So, um, yes, <laughs> RPG DMCA. I was going to say the same thing. So this new map making thing. This is the first time I've looked at it, um, other than reading articles. But it is just Albert Rodeo is what it looks like. But it is tied into, um the greater uh the greater D D beyond so you get certain things like uh your you know your characters are already imported and things like that so we can just select one i'm got um i don't know uh great motor on march i think is the only active game and i use active in air quotes so yeah no map selected what do i have to do oh it just pops up so i can upload maps i don't have any maps uploaded or i have basic maps um, and I don't have any source books, but I do have Giants of the Starforge uh, player version. Okay, we'll just do this one, see what we can see. So, yeah. I mean, it's cool to have the map. Like, if I buy the adventures, it's cool to have the maps here. But doesn't doesn't feel... Um, it's pretty early. So here's... Yeah, here's Lagwin... And boy, is Lagwin tiny. Do I just have to like super zoom in? Oh, I don't like that. And then Siren. Yeah, this is, I mean, and, and there's Lex with this silly face. So it it feels to me like uh, Albert Rodeo, um, which is not a bad thing i guess and then an abolith would so this is like yeah this isn't even to scale that's kind of annoying i don't know how i feel about this guys i i will lose access to this so when the ogl debacle hit in january i was one of the people that canceled my dnd beyond subscription and i'm i'm sticking to it because i don't feel like I need to pay them a monthly thing anymore, especially when I'm playing pay, playing a lot of other games. Um, so my, I had a year subscription though. So my subscription will officially end in 
October. So the end of end of this month, I will no longer have the full access I have with D&D Beyond, uh, which means I will lose access to this map maker unless I get it again. And I'm not saying that I won't, but right now I don't see the incentive for me to do this. So, and what about the monsters? Yeah, like monsters that don't have, yeah. An abominable Yeti doesn't have a picture. So, I, I don't know. Oh, Fog of War though. Cover all. Okay. So I can reveal the abominable Yeti. But yeah, this is just Albert Rodeo, let's be honest. Um, I like that it's simple though. I don't know. I, I don't I don't think this is for me, but uh I wonder if your players can move other things. So I'll have to play around with it. But hey I've got, uh, no, it's not the end of next month. I think it's the 5th of October is when my, my thing actually ends. So, <laughs> um, oh, okay. And then what else did we have on here? If we go back to, there were, um, unleash the magic of the new Feywild. So there were 25 Feywild creatures that are basically from, um, what is this? Eldraine is the new Magic the Gathering setting, which is very, like, fairy tale themed. Um, I don't know much about Eldraine other than its fairy tales, but I like this monster. So they came up with 25 monsters. I was sort of hoping, I was like, oh, it's a monstrous compendium. This is going to be, like, the free ones we got for Spelljammer, but it is not. It is $6 to get these monsters through the magic of television um i have access to them and i think this is because ted shares things with me so i have access to it uh it's not a, a campaign setting by any means but it is just kind of monsters and and has uh extra equivalents and stuff like that but yeah um and there's some cool ones in here and the cool thing about the monsters here is they work with uh dnd beyond so again if you're using dnd beyond you and you want more monsters to be able to search through this is great but the problem with a product like this is i can't print it out and you or i can't use it at the table as well i guess if i have a laptop at the table but i'm trying to not have as many of those kind of things so but i like yeah this gigantic beanstalk worm i kind of like that that's pretty cool um there's a witch there's fairies uh lots of fairies fairy pest there's a gingerbread man a ginger brute is a tiny construct challenge rating one half the ginger brute has advantage on any ability checks or saving throws to, it makes to avoid or end grappled or restrained and once it's destroyed it can use its action to eat all the remaining you can use your action to eat its remains and gain five temporary hit points. Those are funny. That is funny. As a fork for a weapon um, or a gumdrop slingshot, they should have given it um, as a bonus action it can take uh, disengage. That would have been good for that monster. Goose mother, fairy imposter. I don't know. 
So if you if you want monsters, it's a good recycled bit of Magic the Gathering art for them to kind of just throw this together. And yeah, but like the new monster manual is going to have uh, the new 5e monster manual is going to have 500 monsters in it. They keep telling us. So I don't I don't necessarily see the need. And I have so many monster books already. Um, so I didn't purchase this. I, it just kind of came to me. And that's what we got there. Um, oh, and this is the map screen here. You like, oh, I showed you this already. You're good. Maps, maps, maps. Unleash the Feywild. Yeah. Um, in other news. Oh, and that's in alpha, I should say, the, the VTT. So in other news, I wanted to talk about Pirate Borg. See if this loads up. Yeah. So Free League has created... They're they're going to town on uh, Morkborg stuff. Morkborg's opened up. Excuse me. I have not played Morkborg, and one of the one of the reasons I guess is because um, I feel like I have games that do the same thing. But with as popular as Morkborg is getting, I should probably check it out. Um, to the point where we have Pirate Borg. So Pirate Borg is uh, the pirate-themed Mork Borg. And I just remember Mork Borg was very gritty. Um, again, I guess I need to play it. And there's some people at my local game store that have offered up a couple of Mork Borg games. I need to just hire a babysitter and reserve a spot and go down there and play. I think that'd be fun. Uh, but this released on the 19th of September. Uh, it looks fairly cool um i don't know it's just pirate adventure and the 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 big thing about these these uh borg books i guess is always the the art and the layout they do a very interesting um layout like yeah uh so i don't know but who doesn't want zombie pirates in any game that you play So that is gone. That is out and released. So then it got me looking at some Kickstarters, and I came across, dun dun dun, Duckborg. Um, this looks hilarious. So Duckborg is oh, 69 hours to go. So only a few days left to back this if you're interested. I don't know anything about this game other than I enjoy Ducktales, and apparently this is a parody of Ducktales. So. Uh, a foul wind blow now blows down the streets of Duckborg, abandoned by all those foolish enough to travel there and those cruel enough to survive. The treasures of long-dead merchant emperors call to you, and so you and your clan have flocked as birds of a feather to almost certain ruin. Mysteries are yours to solve. Histories are yours to rewrite. For every day you will be out there facing Duckborg. Um, this is based on Morkborg. Surprise. Um, it's about, uh, life is like a hurricane in Duckborg. Borg. Uh, duck, a duck blur. No, I'm, I look at this and I'm just like, how are you not getting sued by Disney? Like Disney sues everybody, but they're, they're doing it. Um, the layout feels very Morkborg-y. Uh, it just seems like a fun kind of, I don't think if you're an actual fan of DuckTales, like, if your kids are fans of DuckTales, you should be like, yeah, let's play Duckborg. But maybe it um, maybe it works. I don't know. We'll have to see. 
I just I just think it's hilarious, and I want more like Saturday morning cartoon uh, tabletop references like this. So, um, oh, there is a preview edition and character sheet demo uh, at the itch.io, and then they have some ways of explaining it. So yeah, I don't know. Where's my uh, Duckwing Borg game? Or Duckborg Duck? <laughs> is that what you would call it? So the module is $12, but they're kickstarting like a full thing. So I wonder if this is like something that kind of started as a joke and then... But again, the art is so cool. Like, look at that Beagle Boy. Like, I don't know. I could totally get behind some of this. Uh, yeah, preview edition. Oh, we're doing it live, folks. Let's pop into the Duckborg preview edition. Uh, is a module intended to be used with Morkborg? Duckborg, you... Yeah, clan rules. You create a clan. D12. I guess I should know how, how Morkborg is played, and I would probably uh, understand this a bit more. I like this map, though. That's kind of cool. Uh, machines, all kinds of cool stuff. There's the Aladdin's lamp. Yeah. So if you guys are interested in, uh, Duckborg, there you go. The other Kickstarter that I came across, um, is this one here, which is, uh, Venestra, a Rome themed fifth edition world and city fantasy or city setting. So I am... I like worlds and settings um, a lot more than uh, adventure. Sometimes when they're tied to an adventure, that's really nice. But like this is kind of reflavors 5e for me. And I think about Plangea a lot where I was bored of 5e. And that Plangea reinvigorated 5e for me. Because all of a sudden it felt new and it felt different. And I was really excited for it. And I was like, wow, that... Actually, that sounds so cool. Like, I want to run a Plangea game. This is kind of similar. Um, or the Metis Creative, where they have their uh, their City of the Crescent. Like, that is a very cool uh, Middle Eastern, I don't know. I don't want to, yeah, like, Middle Eastern type setting that I really enjoyed. And also reinvigorated 5e for me, and I would like to play in something like that, too. So... Before, I was always like, how could I fit some of these into a Forgotten Realms? But then later, I'm just like, no, I, I think standalone games. Like, hey, guys, I want to run a, I want to run an Eberron game. We're going to play 10 sessions, and then you're just done. You're, you don't have to, like, commit to Eberron forever. And the same thing is, like, Plangea. Like, I'm going to run a, a five-game Plangea game. Okay, cool. That was awesome. Do you guys like it? Wow, I love it. Let's keep playing. Or, like, you don't play. Um, sometimes campaign settings... And I, I wonder if it's just because of the sheer amount of knowledge it was to really learn and play in one. Have this feeling, and maybe I'm making this up, maybe this is just me, have this feeling of like, well, I have to choose one and stay with one. So it's like if I'm playing in the Forgotten Realms, I don't really play in anything else. If I'm playing in Eberron, I don't really play in anything else. And that doesn't have to be the case. Uh, and maybe it was Judge Crawl Classics that really opened my eyes where I'm like, I just like the modules and you don't have to have the world all explained and stuff. I, I love campaign settings, but like you just sit down and play a module. 
The problem with Final Final Fantasy, the problem with uh, Dungeons and Dragons is deities. Like I, we went to play Hot Springs Island, and my player was like, "Well, I'm gonna. I guess my deity is." Uh, Ra, because I didn't know what to pick, but I wanted like a light deity. And I'm like, oh, well, we can use the Forgotten Realms ones because it didn't even dawn on me that we weren't in the realms. But uh, Hot Springs Island is obviously not in the realms, but it doesn't come with gods for your cleric. So what do you do? You just use whatever you want. So I thought this was interesting. Um, I think there was another one that was like Dragonbane looked like a really cool 5e setting. And so I'm getting more interested in, in these settings. I don't know anything about this. It does. It could be really bad. It could be really cool. Uh, but it, it's funded really, really fast. And it's kind of in the news. Um, and uh, again, it kind of comes back to I like, like we're going, we're talking about Planescape a lot because I love Planescape. But are the people remaking Planescape, do they have the same love for it that I do? I have no idea, but the people that are writing this definitely have more love for this setting than I do because I don't know about it yet. And so the the amount of energy that they're putting into a book like this, kind of unlike or very similar to Plangia, where Plangia, like that man loved that world and, and crafted it and built it so much that it makes me very excited to play in, I feel something similar to this, where I, the people who write it are very passionate about it. And I don't know if the people who are remaking Planescape and trying to keep corporate interests happy and shareholders and stuff like that, they're banking on nostalgia more than they're banking on um, creating a really cool piece of, of tabletop art and history. And not that nostalgia can be bad in that setting, but I also think that nostalgia is factoring too much into financial decisions. So it's, you know, instead of saying like, well, I want to make the Lady of Pain out of cake. And you're like, well, that seems like a really weird thing to do, but I'm going to let you do it. Like there's people that are like, you can't do that. The Lady of Pain can never be cake. I'm like, but what What if she was cake all along? We'll never know. Now I'm just, now I'm just had too much coffee and I'm blabbing on. So this is Venestra, a Rome-themed 5th edition world and city setting. Um, become demigods. It looks really cool. That's that's what we got there. Um, did CR retcon Pike's God? Who? Uh, I don't know. I don't watch or follow Critical Role. Bonus action, run as fast as you can. That would be perfect. Let me switch back over here. So... In uh, other Jordan news, um, I have written two and a half Dark Sun scripts. Very excited about those. Trying to find time to record. I have updated my backdrop a little bit and repositioned my camera so that I can uh, look a little bit more professional than I do normally. Um, with Dark Sun, though, I'm trying an experiment on YouTube. So I have been very busy. I haven't released a lot of videos. I, I, I understand that. Thank you for tuning into the Saturday morning <laughs> RPG show. Um, I want to record all of my Dark Sun videos and have them all finished and ready to go and then release them like every other day or like three times a week just to see what, what, what it does with the YouTube algorithm. So it's going to be kind of an experiment. 
The problem with that is we, you will be waiting for videos. And so I apologize for that. In the meantime, I hope to do some jocular junction stuff and things like that. Um, yes, I want to do a Thrycreen video. I've got, like I said, I've got two and a half videos written. Um, and I want to go through the whole timeline. I think I have 10 videos planned. So go through the whole timeline, talk about all the sub races, and then talk about advent notable adventures similar to my Spelljammer series. Like I felt like I really, I, I was proud of the Spelljammer series where I'm like, we're going to talk about all of these things. And then here's a video on ship combat. Here's a video on the adventures I like. Here's a video on the races, blah, blah, blah. And now we'll go and uh, play. So, and, and you're right, uh, Grinard, like people are confused about how magic works in the world and things like that. Uh, there are very specific rules. And Dark Sun was very popular, but short-lived, which is interesting. And then it, it through the open game license, as I was researching this, it's a second edition product, but it was on the tail end of second edition. Through the open game license, they were able to bring it back as a fan-made thing with Wizards of the Coast blessing. So Wizards of the Coast said like, hey, we own Dark Sun. We're not going to make anything for it. Because I think they were like, we're going to make Eberron. We're going to make other stuff. So I want you to do uh, this. Um, and so if you go to like athis.org, there is all of the like fan-made conversions to 3.5. And then fourth edition, they straight up converted it and, and brought it back. Uh, so that was kind of surprising, but not for third edition, which is more surprising to me. So um, I do know about Mistara and the Hollow World. And the Immortals. I have uh, all of those PDFs, and I do have the first Mistara collection in my um, reprint that I got from uh, Drive-Thru RPG. It's cool, especially the Hollow World, I think is really cool. Um, there is a gentleman, Mr. Welch, Welk, that does um, Mistara videos. And if I cover them, I want to cover them in kind of like a, I don't know, maybe like a three video series of just like, Here's other campaign settings. But another thing is after I've uh, after I have been reading Plangea for so much time, part of me is like, should I just do Plangea lore videos? That would be kind of cool. But I don't know. I don't think those would do very well. But it would it would fit with the theme of the channel, which is lore. Um, and in the end, I should just do the videos that I find interesting. Like, why am I why am I fighting with with myself over things like that? So you're right. There was Dark Sun stuff in Dragon Magazine for third edition. That was, again, written by Paizo people that were trying to help keep Dark Sun alive. Um, it's pretty. Uh, yeah. Uh, and Man Mandrew, you might know more than I know about that. Uh, I'm I'm now just dipping my toe into it and reading a lot of the second edition stuff and re realizing that after I read most of the second edition stuff, there is a revised version that is kind of the more official version of Dark Sun for second edition. So uh, it ended in 1995. And with that, they ended it with like, here's a revised version of Dark Sun. And so that's kind of like the official canon one. Um, and then they just never touched it again, aside from, you know, Dragon Magazine, things like that, which I have not delved into the Dragon Dungeon Magazine or Dragon Magazine yet. So 
Uh, I let me look at my notes. I think that's all I wanted to talk about. Rome Kickstarter. Oh, I was gonna say that um, if you backed Dungeon Call Classics 100, which is the 100th adventure that Goodman Games has published, um, specifically in the DCC line, which also has some third edition stuff in there. It's kind of wonky. I think Sailors on the Starless Sea is number 60 something. So they printed um, earlier, earlier stuff was all printed for um, 3.5. But DCC 100 is going to, it's really cool. It's this big thing, uh, has a lot of tie-ins to some earlier modules that I want to run. And I kind of want to run uh, all those earlier ones. And then um, also the, so running the earlier ones to kind of lead up to running DCC 100. Long story short, those are shipping, and I haven't received my uh, shipping confirmation yet, but I'm excited to finally crack that open and do um, a video on it and just kind of talk about the big 100 adventure and all the cool props that it comes with. Um, I also noticed that Flea Mortals is shipping, and I did get my... I mean, we have the PDFs, and if you backed it, you also have um, the Monster Layers thing that came out, and I haven't looked at that yet. Uh, but... I have those PDFs, but I the the book should be here shortly, which will be really cool, and that will hopefully be around the time that I start my Plangea game, and then I can also pull some monsters from Flea Mortals, which I thought would be kind of fun to just utilize that book. Um, and then I was looking at Kickstarters, and I I did make a video. Yes, Grenar, I did make a video on Lichdom, so on how to become a lich or how liches are made. You should Google it. Let's see if I can find it. Can I find my own video? I'm searching Jorft and Lich, and the very first video is how to become a Lich. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> um, no, it was long ago. Like I don't, I don't have any. I don't have every video of mine memorized. Sometimes I've made the same video two or three times, at least twice. I know I made the same video twice on accident. Where I'm like, guys, I think I've already made this. <laughs> so, um, Bo, so it got me thinking. I was looking at my Kickstarters, and w the one I'm really excited for is Money Cooks the Weird. And I remember thinking, I hope this comes out by Gen Con, and it's still not out. And I haven't received anything of like, are they done with it? Are they working on it? What's going on? Like, we're hearing, hey, the Black Cube's coming back for Invisible Sun, and I'm like, where's that weird book that I kickstarted a long time ago with, like, the silicone dice? I kind of want that. Um, I have no idea. I hope that is is uh, in the works, and maybe when they finish their latest Kickstarter, which is for another Cypher System podcast adaptation, um, the Magnus Archives, I realized. I didn't realize it was a podcast until a couple days ago, but apparently it is. And it's kind of like the old guy, old gods of Appalachia, where they're, they took that podcast idea and, and formed a tabletop game around it with the Cypher system, which is super cool, uh, especially if you're a fan of those podcasts. You can, like, play in those worlds. Magnus Archives is similar to that. And Cypher is so malleable that it kind of makes uh makes sense um but yeah so that was my last bit of news is i'm just holding out for the weird really excited about that book um other than that i'm i'm reading uh prepping for my dcc game tomorrow my players are now level six and we will be ending perils on the purple planet at some point um soon probably the next 
three, I think we have maybe two or three sessions left. And then um, Monty Cook does take forever compared to DCC and Cobalt Press. You're right, Shazama. I bet they, they just, yeah. Monty Cook just, or DC, Goodman Games just knows how to push things out, I feel. Although they have taken their time with a couple products. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I was so excited for um, uh, Dying Earth, and I still want to run those. I need more free time to run games. Yeah. Uh, that's our show, ladies and gentlemen. I almost made it in an hour. So close. Um, I will be back uh, next week with another episode of the Saturday Morning RPG Show, hopefully with Lucian. If not, I'm kind of enjoying these solo shows. They're kind of fun to kind of chat with you guys and things like that. Um, October is just around the corner, and with that, spooky season starts. I... I usually run a Halloween kids on bikes adventure. I didn't last year for some reason. So I don't want to say that it's a tradition, but it's kind of fun. But maybe I'll, maybe I'll try to run um, using a different system. I don't know. Because I've got so many systems. Uh, but kids on bikes second edition is coming out too. So that could be kind of fun to revisit that. And then the idea is hopefully to record it and then uh, put it out um, on you know the interweb so you guys can listen to it and things like that um spooky season does start november 1st and ends october 31st yeah it's true <laughs> uh we have a couple of people in the neighborhood that have those 12 foot skeletons already up um like september 1st they were up and i was like i live in the right i live in the right place it's pretty cool uh, thank you guys so much for watching. Thank you for liking and subscribing and sharing your, uh, this with your friend. Uh, join the Substack so that I, you know, you can be notified of things like that and uh, share the podcast out with a friend because podcasts are weird. They don't go anywhere until you tell people to listen to them. So uh, check it out there. And I will be floating around the Discord. You can chat with me if you want, and I'll talk to you guys. Later, and see you all in another episode of the Saturday Morning Show. Take care.